we've been talking about the Sabbath. We've been talking about this idea of a biblical Sabbath, what God meant when he gave us the Sabbath, when he called himself the Lord of the Sabbath, when he said it's for, for man, you know, not man for the Sabbath, all of these things. And I think that, that that's a vineyardy way of saying that, you know, it's time to stop rowing and start sailing. Um, and he, he added to it often, you know, it's so much more fun to, to sail. Um, but we've been in this for a while. We're, we're now in, in what I, I'm considering the extended period of, of this teaching because I, 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 I planned it through last week with what Leah preached was kind of like the, the, the finale of, of what I thought was a thematic approach. Um, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me stop. And I, I think because I, I'm, I'm hard-headed and, and this is not a teaching that your pastor has gone ahead and, and put deep in my soul so that I can live this out perfectly for you. Um, and so it, a lot of it's been friction with me in my life and, and my, my own practices and finding a rhythm and, and living this stuff out. Um, so I, I, I had to do more because I, I hope that we never preach throwaway messages here. You know, I, I just, we don't just speak to hear ourselves speak. We don't just open this up and do an academic exercise to walk through this. There's a reason. There's a reason why I think the Lord led us to the Sabbath, and, and I don't think we're done yet, and I, I don't think I'm done yet because I'm still struggling. Um, but Leah looked at my, my slides, and she was laughing. She's like, are you preaching on, on Cheerios? And I'm kind of preaching about Cheerios this morning. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where, where that takes us. We're, before I get to that, though, I was thinking about this in my, in my bed last night. Um, my daughter, Kara, she's, you know, she's getting older now, so she's you know, seeing a little bit more adult shows and things. And I had remembered Lost. We're like, I think that's kind of an okay-ish thing. So we brought Lost out to show her that. And like the first episode, it had this line that I just thought was a good summation of what we're going through. So if you don't know the show, this is an old one. It kind of dates me with that too. But, but there was this, what's that? Spoilers, slight spoilers. There's a plane crash and there's a doctor and the doctor is wandering on the beach, and, and, when the, and this is in the very first episode, and somebody watched the doctor over the beach, and she goes, how are you doing this? You know, you're so calm, you're, you're so collected. How are you not afraid of what's going on? And he goes, well, let me tell you, I made a decision, you know, back when I was doing my very first surgery, and, and I was operating on the spine, and I nicked this sack, and all these nerves just spilled out everywhere. And I said, I'm going to give you three seconds of fear, then it's time to get to work. And so it does this flashback as it does, and it shows him doing the surgery and counting to three and then getting right back into it. And I think that in a lot of ways, what I I want us to say this morning can be summed up in that. It's a way of saying with Sabbath, enough, enough, enough greed, enough fear, enough mourning, enough sorrow, enough loss. The Sabbath is a way of countering all that with saying enough. But our our lesson is going to start off with Cheerios, so you can take that as a throwaway if you want. When I I, I was a kid, we had Cheerios, and that was it, right? This is what you had, and you had this, and you were happy, and life was good. But then when I was a really young kid, they added the B. Y'all remember the B? And we, we got the Honey Nut Cheerios. And I remember just thinking, wow, this is like Cheerios, but better. Like everything about this made me so much happier. But I was going through the cereal aisle just like last week with, with Karis. And oh my goodness, what have they done? If, look, look, look at this. Toasted coconut Cheerios, blueberry Cheerios, maple Cheerios, Cheerios Oat Crunch, which is the one I think she went with. 
peach Cheerios than the original Honey Nut Multigrain Cheerios. It's not done. <laughs> Apple cinnamon Cheerios, chocolate Cheerios, fruity Cheerios, frosted Cheerios, banana nut Cheerios, Cheerios, oat crunch, oats and honey. What? Cho uh, chocolate peanut butter Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios, medley crunch. And guess what? More. <laughs> you get the point. I feel like somebody just, they just said, okay, you know what? I don't even care anymore. Just do it all. Just, just, I'm not even going to filter this. You can just do whatever you want. And, and it just became like, is nobody discerning this? Is nobody saying, guys, you make Cheerios. There's other cereals out there too. Cheerios do doesn't have to be everything. There's nobody saying enough. But then I remembered Oreo cookies, which maybe is a better thing. Have you seen this? You've got the original ones. You've got the double stuff. You've got mega stuff. Then they came out with the most stuff, and they dropped an F for some reason. I have no idea why. The Oreos with the most stuff, which if you've had these, I feel bad for you because you've got to feel sick after you eat one of these. Like, I remember doing this as a kid. You'd take apart all the Oreos and try to get as much cream packed between the, the cookies as you can. And it took a lot of work, but that was part of the pleasure of it. And then you felt sick and you moved on with your life and that was it. But you have a whole pack of these things now. Uh, at some point in time, don't you just want to say like enough is enough? Like we, do I America is great. We'll fry anything in butter for the state fairs. We'll, we'll take these things to the nth degree. But in a world that never says enough, in a world that never says enough, the Sabbath is the way that the church says enough, enough. I don't follow the beat of that drum. I, I don't go down that road. I don't pursue that any further. That's enough for today. That's enough for this week. That's enough for this job. You get so much, but no more. In a world and, and with jobs that say, I'm going to require you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm going to require this 365 days a year. I'm going to require more of you than you're willing to give, and, and that's your, your duty. The Sabbath is a way of saying, no, I'm not giving you that. This belongs to nobody but God. This, this is something that, that he has given for me. This is something that exists for my goodness. This is something that exists for the goodness of my soul, and that's enough. That's enough. So with labor-saving devices, with all these time-saving devices we filled our lives with, how much time have we actually saved? With all these things that we can do to add to our lives, if I get this automatic, you know, drying machine for my dishes, you know, or for my, for my clothes, it's, think about all the extra time we'll have. There was actually a concern in early America that all this extra time, all these labor-saving devices were going to create a people that were just so full of leisure that, you know, there, we're just going to be a slothful country. That has not happened. Every second that we've saved with these devices that we can do things well and, and takes away all this time, we have spent doing more things because we don't say enough. We don't save our time. We, we are giving it back away. We've opted for more rather than quiet. As a country, as a culture, we have opted for more rather than for quiet. We haven't said enough. Since 1950, our per capita income has tripled. I mean, that, that's amazing. And that's not that long ago. Since 1950, per capita income has tripled. Since 1960, we saw a shift of the American populace going from workers to consumers, which means we're just feeding into this cycle so much more and more and more. Storage units were a very interesting thing to look at. There's 2.3 billion square feet of storage unit space in this country. That is 7.3 square feet for every person in the nation. 
we have that just for our stuff. Just to keep my stuff in because we can't fit it in our homes. We have not said enough. We, we have never gotten to the point where we have said, you know what, I'm full. We sit back from the table and we say, I'm, I'm, I'm done for now. That, that's good. I'm, I'm content. I can, be, I can live like this. We keep saying more, more, more. And, and just a side note on this idea of storage units keeping our stuff. I asked Karis at one point in time what her favorite planet was. And she gave the absolute best answer you could ever give. She said, the earth, it's where I keep all my stuff. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, there's wisdom in this girl that I have not appreciated. Um, C.S. Lewis, we know him for Chronicles of Narnia, and, and some of us know his first theology books and mere Christianity, things like that. But he's written something besides that, a science fiction trilogy. If you've been around me for a while, you have heard this one because Paralandra has wrecked me in the most wonderful way. Paralandra is the story of man going to Venus, which is called Paralandra in the native tongue there. And what you see essentially is the temptation playing out again. You see Adam and Eve on this new planet. But instead of just having the tempter, there's also somebody from God's side who's there to try to help them, to steer them, to, to keep them uh, on the main and plain. And it's this beautiful, wonderful place. There's new creation. There's this temptation to disobey. But sin had not yet come into this world, okay? Sin had not yet come to this world. It hadn't fallen the way that our earth has. So the main character founds, uh, finds food on this country, and he finds it wonderful. I want to read for you this passage. Um, he had come to a part of the wood where great globes of yellow fruit hung from the trees, clustered as toy balloons are clustered in the back of the balloon man, about the same size. He had meant to extract the smallest experimental sip, but the first taste put his caution all to flight. It was, of course, a taste, just as his thirst and hunger had been thirst and hunger, but then it was so different from every other taste that it seemed more pedantry to call it a taste at all. It was like the discovery of a totally new genus of pleasures, something unheard of among men, out of all reckoning, beyond all covenant. For one draught of this on earth, wars would be fought and nations betrayed. As he let the empty gourd fall from his hand and was about to pluck a second one, it came to his head that he was now neither hungry nor thirsty. Yet to repeat a pleasure so intense and almost so spiritual seemed an obvious thing to do. His reason, or what we commonly take to be reason in our own world, was all in favor of tasting of this miracle again. The childlike innocence of the fruit, the labors he had undergone, the uncertainty of the future all seemed to commend the action, yet something opposed to this reason. It is difficult to suppose that this opposition came from desire, for what desire would turn from so much deliciousness? But for whatever cause, it appeared to him better not to taste again. Perhaps the experience had been so complete that repetition would be a vulgarity, like asking to hear the same symphony twice in a day. He had enough. He had enough, and in this world without sin, he didn't need to have any more. Like, there, there's a really beautiful sentiment. Can you imagine being so satisfied that you can have this most incredible pleasure and you can say, that's great. I'm good. I'm content. And the Sabbath is that. The Sabbath, as Leah was talking about last week, this way of how it's been fulfilled in Christ, how it's been satisfied in Christ. It's this way of us understanding, I'm good. I'm good. I have what I need, and I'm good. But in this world, we have greed, we have lust, we have gluttony, we have pride, we have sloth. 
And you could think about all of those sins as saying, now how about some more? Now how, how, about, how about I repeat that? How about I care for myself more? How about I just take, 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 take? It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how full my storehouses are. I, I need more. What about tomorrow? What about the day after that? What about what the Lord's going to do then? Can I trust the future or can I not? And when you think about the Sabbath and you think about the manna that was put down there, as the Lord said, you're going to have enough for today. You're going to have enough. Don't worry about the Sabbath. I'm going to give you enough for that, but no more. And they took more, and what happened? It didn't last. He gave them enough. Give us today our daily bread, we pray. But we don't really mean that. What we really mean is, give me today my daily bread in the next five years at an increasing exponential rate so that I know for sure that my future is secure. So I don't have to trust you every single day. I'd rather just trust you once and get it done with. I'd rather plan as well as I can today so that I know that my future is secure. We don't know enough. And, and I, I'm not even speaking necessarily against the capitalism and the greed of this as much as we should look at our own souls and realize how discontent we are when we don't know enough. How much it eats at us when we don't know enough, when we're not content enough with what we have in our own two hands to say, thank you, God. We miss out on worship and praise and adoration and gratitude because we're too busy looking for more. We miss out on quiet because we're so busy trying to fill this space and this time that we don't have enough. This world's broken because we don't say enough. If one is good, two is better. We live in a world where we are constantly told to work more, play more, and buy more. That's our world. And for the most part, we've chosen that. What I want us to do for our, our exercise is to look at this law, the Sabbath command, in two times where it's given. Uh, in Deuteronomy and in Exodus. And uh, the distinction between these passages is really, really amazing. So we've been primarily looking at Exodus, and I'm going to read that first for us. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor, do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord had made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it holy. Now, if we look at Deuteronomy, which we haven't looked at too much, um, Deuteronomy, if you don't know, the, the name Deuteronomy literally means the second law. That's what that, that name of that book comes from. So you had the law... Kind of, we got it with Exodus and everything. Then we have like a, a second law, like, you know, one breakfast, now I have two. It's a Lord of the Rings reference. Um, so we, we kind of have it all over again, but there's some differences whenever it's phrased towards the people this time. So remember the Sabbath day we saw. Now in Deuteronomy, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. That part I should have highlighted too. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. 
It's a big shift. In Exodus, they're coming out. Now when they have the second law, when they have Deuteronomy, do you remember where we came from? Do you remember the Exodus? Do you see where we came from? In the first instance, we're remembering God, what he did, our identity. But now we're remembering the story that we came from. We're remembering who I used to be and what I used to be like, what I was once subject to before God delivered me. I used to have no choice in this matter. I was a slave, but the Lord set me free. Why would I go back into slavery? He redeemed me. I need to be redeemed. And then he even says, and this is the beautiful part of here, if you look at this, don't do this to your maidservants and your men servants. Don't do this to the people living amongst you. Don't force them into this too. You were forced into labor. Don't force them into slavery. As you have tasted freedom, give that freedom to other people. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of the evolving, beautiful celebration of Sabbath for all God's people. Not just those who are closest, but as we all walk out this redemption, as the story gets deeper and richer, as we look back and we remember, yes, my identity was given in the garden. My freedom was given through the Exodus. And in both of that, I have the Sabbath. We start off remembering it, then we have to keep observing it. And it's not just do it this way. It's always been this way. That's always a, a poor line. Why do we do this? Well, we've always done this. It's just the way. I love that even in the Torah, we have this law kind of showing a new light, giving new life to it. It's being born again in a lot of ways where it's like you lived this out already. We went through one round. And whenever you went, remembered the identity you came from, now we can see it's richer than that. This, God is still working the story out. In Exodus, it's grounded in creation, rhythm, and delight. It's life-giving. And now, in Deuteronomy, so that you remember you were a slave. It's a message of redemption and resistance and warning to not go back. In a lot of ways, it's even a stick-it-to-the-man sort of thing. Don't go back into slavery. Don't give back to Egypt. Don't give to these, these slave masters what they once demanded from you when you had no choice in the matter. What are they getting away from? They're getting away from Egypt, as we know. But Egypt is, is more than a country. There's ideas, there's, there's gods, there's false religion, there's memories. When they think about the Exodus, especially these generations that came after that, Egypt was more than just a country. It meant so much. When you've walked through something and when you remember where you came from, you know how this happens, all right? The, 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 the people, the, the places, they kind of become larger than that. They're an archetype. And the Bible uses countries in that way. It's an archetype. Egypt was an archetype for slave owners, for commerce. They were building, you might not know this, the, the slaves of Israel were most likely building these supply cities. Entire cities built to hold the wealth of Egypt, like our storage units. Pharaoh would have really loved the storage units that we have in this country. He would have been so pleased that there's so much space for all of his stuff. Like, I can, I can just put chariots here, and I can just put gold here, and I can just fill all this place with my stuff. And the, he had to have slaves to build this out for him because Pharaoh could not be satisfied. Pharaoh could not be satisfied. In one chapter in, in the, during the Exodus, this is what Pharaoh says. Why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. You're stopping them from working. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working. 
Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. Pharaoh demanded more and more and more. He delighted in work for work's sake, and he demanded everything he could from them. Egypt wasn't just a country. They came from slavery. And God says, that's not the way of the kingdom. As you walk out my law, as you walk out the kingdom-based understanding of Sabbath and practice, that's not it. In fact, as you've experienced this freedom, this redemption, make sure you do the same to those who are your over. Make sure you're a kind lord or lady. Make sure that you run your household. Make sure you run your community in a way that upholds the law and shows how good God is. Egypt, though, is terrible if you're a slave, but it's good if you're on top. You ever think about that? Easy for us when we read scripture to think, oh, Egypt, horrible and evil and wicked. But just imagine you're, you're a middle-class Egyptian, maybe upper middle class. And you're, you know, this is working out for me okay. I'm, I'm kind of happy with how things are going. And I, I'd like to keep, you know, getting a little bit more every time. Like, what's wrong with that? And I think that we buy into this system so easily, so readily, and we're, we're brought into it in such a way that we don't have the, the wherewithal, the recognition to say, my soul has already had enough. I can be content with this. I can be good with this. I read this this week, and I thought that this was a wonderful synopsis of this. Do we spend our time to get money? Or do we spend our money to get time? If you really think about the choices we make, the ways that we, we choose to live our lives, the ways that we spend ourselves, our time, our energy, our money, what do we spend to get the other? What do we value higher than the other? What is finite? And what is the thing that we're trying to build up? There's a study that, that went along with this that said that the happiest people spend their money to get time. They spend their money to get time. Because that's what we really want can tell you with your kids, that's really what they want. They want time with you. They want, they want to be able to celebrate this. They want to be able to enjoy this time together. They want to be able to be together and to, to have more time, not less. But yet we're working all the time. We're trying to, to build these fortunes. We're trying to build these classes and trying to be what we can. Whenever we think about this idea of enough, though, I want to say real quickly that some things don't apply. Some things don't apply. What I mean by that is Leah talked last week about how we don't just stop and make a, a vacuum with the Sabbath. The idea of the Sabbath isn't like, hey, here's a, a time block for me. I'm going to do nothing here because I'm going to say no to work. That's, not, that's never the intention of the Sabbath. That was never the design. That's never the hope. What we see in Scripture, what we see particularly with Christ, is the Sabbath is realized and fulfilled. It's actually filled with something. Because there's certain things where you can't overdo it. You can't overdo it. Where enough doesn't really work. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever like been like, oh, that's so much Holy Spirit. Like, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, like when the Spirit falls, when you're there, if you're not terrified, which you might be, it's more, Lord. It's more, Lord, and it's again, Lord. You know? And sometimes you just feel like you're, you're at that edge of where I will be undone. And I know still many people are like, and yet that's okay with me. 
more, Lord, more Holy Spirit. I don't think we can have too much of the Holy Spirit. Worship. We will be worshiping forever. Hopefully with some great new songs as well. You know, not the same ones. But, you know, it's one of those, it's eternal. I don't think it's ever going to get to that point because if you've ever truly been satisfied, if you've ever truly been grateful, if you've ever seen a musical, when you have enough, when you're satisfied, when you're there, you can't help but sing. The girl walked into the room who I love, I just have to sing out a ballad right now. It's just, it's the natural expression and worship in that way. When we're really grateful, when we really get it, when it's your song, your new song, and you're not worried about how you sound, it's there. You don't get to the point. Your, your voice won't give way. It's, it's not like, okay, that's, that's enough. I'm, I'm done with that. And you understand it's even beyond music. It's something that you just live out. Worship is not enough. Loving, helping, kindness, all these, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's not enough of that. Vitamin C, you can take as much vitamin C as you need and you'll just pee it right back out. You don't have to worry about taking too much vitamin C. Other vitamins you have to limit. Vitamin C as much as you want. Uh, Ephesians 5, if you flip to there. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. This is this idea. You can't have too much of this stuff. Once you get this, once you're awake to this, this is what we fill ourselves with. So be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Lord. Sing and make music from our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can have too much wine. You can have too much, even, I, I said this at Christmas Eve, and, and it was, uh, I don't think I said it well. <laughs> I had a lot of questions of this. You can have too much joy. You can have too much the worldly dancing. You can have too much eating. You can have too much feasting. Because those are the worldly sides of these things. You can have too much of them. They're not bad things. They're, they're not evil in themselves. But you can have too much of them. You can begin to substitute the godly good things for those things. And you think, this is good enough. This will satisfy kind of the way that, that, that my soul longs for. This is, this is okay. I can be content here. But all the while, we're not being filled with the very things that, they, that have replaced them, that have taken them to the next level. And the Sabbath is a way of saying, enough of those ways. I need to find myself grounded in the ways of the kingdom. I need to find myself fully on the foundation of the Spirit of God, on the Word of God, on the truth of God, on what He's done for me. Jesus in the wilderness, I think, is one of the, the best examples of this. I always like to see whatever lesson I'm, I'm talking about through the lens of Christ and his gospel. So where do we see him saying enough? Where do we see Christ saying that's enough? If we look right at the beginning at his time in the wilderness, 
where the Spirit led him. But the only voice to be heard was his own and the tempter's. Matthew 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which I feel is a huge understatement. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, He will command his angels concerning you. They'll lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Angels came and attended him. I think Jesus is saying here, It's enough of my hunger. It's enough of my own selfish ego. It's enough of my pride to be worshipped, to be adored. It's enough of that. It's enough ambition. It's enough temptation, finally, at the very end, away from me, Satan. So he's turning down not just these worldly goals, not just these things that take the kingdom things and phrase it in the world. He's not just saying enough of temptation. He's actually getting at this very end, enough temptation. He's telling Satan enough of that. There's a time, there's a season, there's a place, and that's enough of that. I'm not going to be ruled by my stomach. I'm not going to be subject to this testing. I'm not going to be in this season any longer than I have to be. He says enough, not just of the worldly things. He says enough of the temptation there at the very end. What's enough isn't always the same. It's not just the good stuff we say enough to. It's not just when the world satisfies in some ways. It's not just when we've had enough money, when we've had enough job. It's also saying it's enough brokenness. It's enough sin. I'm done with that now. It's enough turmoil. It's enough stress. In a time of trial, in a time of peace, when we know loss, Sabbath is a way of saying, enough sorrow. I need to find my hope in my, in my Father again. I need to come back to my sure foundation. I need to find myself grounded in what matters. Sometimes we need more Sabbath. Sometimes we can get by with less. Whenever I look at Jesus in the wilderness, we, we see that he started his ministry from this place where I think he had this Sabbath, this, this retreat saying, enough, enough of my stomach, enough of, of this world, and I'm going to only be satisfied by my Father. But at the end of his ministry, too, he does the same thing in a different way. He goes to the garden, and he knows what's coming. He knows the end's in sight. He understands his death on the cross is right around the corner, and he gets away from it all. He stops this ministry. He stops the healing. He, he stops all these wonderful things. He even stops the time with his friends. And he goes to this garden by himself and seeks the Lord. And he says, Lord, I don't want to do this. He uses Sabbath as a way to prepare for what's to come. He uses the stop, the ceasing, to get ready for it because he knows the trials are. Sometimes we're in the middle of a trial and it's overwhelming us because we don't know this rhythm of Sabbath because we're not following the way of the Lord. We never said en enough. We never said, I need to make sure I'm grounded. We, I need to make sure I'm centered. I need to make sure I'm, I'm pulling from the vine that really matters, that I can be satisfied so I can go into this place where I know that I'm going to need it. There's this idea that, that I've talked about 
throughout the years, a Jesuit indifference. It's a wonderful idea, but it's so hard. The idea of, of indifference is not what you think of uncaring or remote or, or somehow removed from it. When we say indifferent, that's what we think. The idea of indifference in this context is, I will be generous if I have $5 or $5 million. Generosity is indifferent to my circumstances. If, I, if I've got $5, you get four. If I've got $5 million, you get $4 million. Sometimes we're like, whoa, <laughs> I meant like I'd give $100 if I had $5 million. No, that's the idea of this indifference. That it doesn't depend on my circumstances. But I want to tell you, this, this principle and the practice of it are somewhat different. Because the principle, I think, is in the wilderness or in the baptismal, is that the Father is sufficient. When Jesus was there, the Father is sufficient. The principle of it matters. Like, he's ready for this. He's got this. And I, I thought about this. Sometimes I just don't have enough in my tank. I have these values. I have these priorities. I have this principle. I have this idea. I just don't have anything to give. You ever feel that way? Like, I, I'm trying so hard, but my kids have just worn my patience out. Like, I don't have a kind word left. Like, th- this person's pulling on my attention. I, I, just, I can't focus anymore because I'm so distracted by my own grief, by my own loss, by my own sorrow. I'm so consumed by something else. I can't be present in this moment. And I want to be indifferent to circumstances. I want to be there, but I can't. Because I don't have anything in my tank. Because I haven't been caring for these things. I I haven't walked this rhythm out. And Christ shows us that that wasn't his life. I don't know that he could have gone to the cross if he didn't have that Sabbath. And I don't mean that to demean Christ at all. I just mean that he was fully man. And he had the strength and the courage to do which I don't think many of us could ever do. And I believe, I believe he found strength from knowing the Father's will. He knew. He knew what he was going into and he had what he needed to walk it out. And if he didn't have the garden beforehand, could he have done it? It's almost that pointless question because why would he even try? Because you see in Jesus' whole ministry, he's always getting away from the Father. He's always finding time to be in the Sabbath. He's always finding time to be alone, to say, God, you're what matters. My Father, you're what matters. I want to hear your voice. I want to know. Because in practice, Christ went as often as he could to find solitude and meet with his Father. A rhythm that helped him recover. A rhythm that helped prepare him. After his betrayal, when he saw his end in sight, he Sabbath, he got away. So we have big Sabbaths. We have little Sabbaths for the good times, for the bad times. And maybe I want to challenge you, especially for the bad times. We find that it is enough. The thing is, I think we want overwhelming. We want vacation overwhelming where we get bored by the end of it. You know, we, we, want, we want money overwhelming that we never have to worry about our tomorrow. We want food overwhelming so that, you know, we have our seven courses, then we, we send our eighth one back, but we take just a bite. You know, we, we, want, we want to have all of these things overwhelming so that we're not afraid, so we don't have anxiety, so that we can have this idea of, of being overprepared for things. A friend of mine wrote a worship song called It Is Enough. And to be honest, the first time I heard it, I just thought, ugh, it's so uninspiring to me because it's it's not overwhelming. The words say this, it's enough to show your love and care, enough to still my soul and help me bear my pain a little longer, my sadness till you come, your cross, it is enough.
Lord, I'm lost. Lord, I'm alone. Lord, I'm still waiting to feel like I'm at home. I want your voice. I want to change. But in your silence, Lord, and through my pain, I see your cross. It is enough. And I think as I've matured, <laughs> enough is exactly what it says it is. It's enough. It's enough. And if I'm not being greedy, if I'm not being selfish, if I'm not being worried, if I'm not being fearful, if I'm not being anxious, in this moment, everybody in this room, we have enough. The sorrows we have gone through, the losses we have known, we have enough. We have enough that we can come back here and we can look ahead with hope. We can look ahead with knowledge of who God is and that he hasn't changed. We have enough. And I want to tell you, it, it, it's, not, it's not satisfying the worldly way. <laughs> it's not going to be like where you feel like, oh man, wait, wait until they get a load of this. It, it's going to be like, you know what? I can stand. I can breathe. I can do this because we have enough. So what we're saying with Sabbath, enough work, enough worldliness, enough temptation, enough worldly joy, enough of the news cycle, enough of the division, enough of the rat race and this drive, enough of the competition. Here I will go, but no further. Sabbath says, remember, you're not slaves anymore. Remember also, you're not slave drivers. Remember, you're image bearers of God. We will not go back. We will not become Egypt. We won't recreate the brokenness that we created. We won't recreate this brokenness that we lived. We will break the cycle. We'll say enough. Enough.